Welcome to a single serving podcast. I'm your host, Shaney Silver, and I want to change the narrative around being single because so far it's had pretty bad PR. What if we stopped seeing single life as wrong and stopped trying so hard to fix it by finding partnership at any cost? Relationships are amazing and we deserve to have them. We just don't deserve to be miserable in the meantime. If you're ready to stop hating single life and to recognize that loving single life doesn't mean you'll be single forever, keep listening. This podcast publishes new episodes every Monday. You can find one episode per month on all your favorite free access platforms. All other weekly episodes are accessible by becoming a patron of this podcast on Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes for this episode. By becoming a patron, you'll also get access to the Facebook group for this podcast, a supportive community space for celebrating single life, not just for dealing with it. There's so much joy, freedom, and potential in being single. My fear is that if we only ever see our singlehood as something that's wrong with us, something that has to be fixed as soon as possible by finding a partner, we'll miss out on a really important time in our lives, and we might even settle for less than what we really want. If you're sick of the shame of being single and sick of feeling helpless and unable to feel better, this is your podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a single serving podcast. I am so happy to be talking to you today. I have a massive episode to share with you. There's so much I want to get into. Uh, but the very first thing I'll do is say hi and welcome to anyone who is a new listener, um, as well as anybody who is like a day one listener. You're all phenomenal human beings, and I'm so happy to make this podcast for you. Uh, you may have noticed that the podcast has started to publish once a month on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Stitcher, all those free access platforms um, instead of once a week. However, the podcast is still being published once a week over on my Patreon. So if you would like to listen to a single serving podcast once a week, like always, go ahead and join the Patreon. There's a link in the show notes below, of course, and um, you can have you know, me in your ears once a week, like always. Um, otherwise it is published once a month to, um, all the free access platforms. So you can still listen to me and my wonderful guests and my cat who is jumping into her box full of paper, uh, once a month, but it would mean a great deal to me if you would join the Patreon because, um, it, takes a lot of time and effort and energy to both create a podcast and maintain its community. And so that's why I made the switch in 2021 to publishing once a month on free access platforms and every other week over on Patreon. So I hope you will consider joining us over there. Uh, still have guests, still have all the good stuff that you're used to. And um, it's just a really uh, great way for independent creators to keep doing what they love and um, help them earn a living doing that. So uh, it would mean a great deal to me if you would consider joining the Patreon if you haven't already. If you have already, hi, patrons. Love you the most. Thank you so much for being the reason this podcast still exists. I genuinely appreciate you so, so much. So I want to get into today's episode. There's a lot going on. So first up, I'm going to answer a question that came in from a Patreon patron because it's an excellent question that is really relevant for so many of us. And um, I think it's important to address it here. After that, you guys don't know this about me, but every time I have a guest on the podcast, I let them know that if there are ever future projects or things that they want to share with an audience full of single people, they are more than welcome to reach back out. And I am happy to share their work with this audience. And the cat is really going for it over there. I'm sorry if you can hear this, guys. There's very little I can do to control her behavior. Um, so uh, what that looks like is my first guest ever. Jesse Jollis. 
uh, has recently done something so cool in her extremely funny and creative career. And I wanted to bring her back on the podcast to let you know what it is. Um, so we're going to have a very quick chat at the, at the very beginning of this episode. And then I'm going to get into the uh, larger portion of today's episode with my guest, Demona Hoffman. So Demona and I have sort of been like orbiting each other for a long time, but yet she hasn't been a guest on the podcast yet. So I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. Um, we were actually on the radio together a week before we recorded this podcast episode, and we had no idea that we were going to be on the radio show together. That was a pretty funny moment. Um, so Demona is a dating coach, and you guys know that I don't focus this podcast on dating content because, in my opinion, that's really all that's ever created for single women. It, the only stuff that's made for us just assumes that uh, dating is the only thing that we are allowed to care about. So this podcast really doesn't delve into dating very much. But I think having a conversation with Demona is really important because I want to know I want to know what things look like from the perspective of a dating coach. I like to stay informed about what her work entails. And um, I also just kind of want to have real talk about it. Like, what is it that you do? What is it that you don't do? Um, you know, I think it's I think it's an important conversation to have. And I mean, because the conversation has already happened, I can guarantee you it's a conversation that uh, is absolutely worth listening to. Um, and it was just wonderful to meet Demona and hang out with her. She is a lovely human being. And you can, of course, follow her work through the the links in the show notes below. But before I get into my awesome interview with Demona, I want to answer a very important question. Okay, so this question came in from a Patreon patron, and it reads, um, let's see, I find that my comfort in being single seems to rely on shutting down the possibility of ever having a relationship again. I can't seem to balance being happily single with the desire to still want partnership in the future. It's like in order to be happy by myself, I have to completely reject the idea of partnership for myself altogether. I find that even if I start to hope for partnership or imagine a relationship in my future, I start to feel more negatively towards being single again. It's like, it's all or nothing, and I struggle to find a balance. Ultimately, if I'm honest with myself, I think that I would like to have a relationship again someday, but I can't seem to let myself admit that for fear of being right back where I started. So first of all, uh, I want to absolutely uh, validate this patron's feelings. Um, I have spent so much time in this headspace myself, and I know many other people have as well or are going through something similar right now. Um, it's it's 100% valid what you're feeling. It's not wrong what you're feeling. And um, it's a very real mood if you are a single person. Um, the first thing I'll say is remember that like this is how we were sort of trained to think and trained to feel. So, um, you know, singlehood is very much an all or nothing space. If we're talking about it from the way that it's always been discussed, uh, definitely not the, a single serving podcast way of discussing singlehood, but more of the societal, uh, traditional views of singlehood. Um, it's only ever been bad. Singlehood has only ever been a bad thing a wrong thing that is corrected by finding partnership. There's no other way that singlehood is discussed. There really isn't. Um, it's always just painted with this pathetic brush and, um, it's really unfair. And, and the result of that is that we have these sort of feelings like they're, how, how are we going to feel in a gray area if that gray area has never been shown to us? If we don't know that that gray area is a possibility, if we don't know that there's any other way to feel than 
you know, completely happily single and shutting off the idea of a future partnership or only feeling miserably single as we like claw and dig and search for partnership at any cost. There's really no other way that we've ever been shown we can feel. So of course we're going to feel like this. Of course we're going to feel like it's all or nothing, uh, but it's not. I want to uh, just very clearly say that you get to feel about singlehood any way that you want. You do not have to put uh, rules and regulations around your thoughts or feelings that don't exist. It is 100% possible to be happily single, confidently single, um, sort of in a relaxed and calm, chilled out single space. That's possible while simultaneously being open to your next relationship. I know that this is a way that we are allowed to exist because that's how I exist every single day. So I want you to know that it's totally possible. Um, But when it's hard, I get why it's hard because we've never been shown that there's any other way to do it. So um, I see the, the solutions that I've seen people bring up for this kind of feeling before, I don't really like them because I'm not a big fan of imposing rules and restrictions on ourselves that aren't really a thing. I see people say that they, you know, are swearing off dating or swearing off men or whatever. Um, you don't have to. Like, who said that you had to do that? <laughs> That's not something you have to do. Um, the only thing I've sworn off are dating apps. And that's because they were not serving me in any capacity. They were taking all of my time and so much of my money, and they were never giving me anything positive in return. So that's why I don't use those. But I have not sworn off dating. I have not sworn off relationships. Um, I'm very open to them. And I look forward to that, obviously, post-COVID. But you don't have to impose restrictions on yourself that aren't necessary. Like no one's telling you that you have to completely shut down the idea of a relationship in order to be happily single. I know that it can feel like you have to. I know that for sure. And the only way that I've found any success in finding more balance is practice, baby steps and practice. It's a little unrealistic to assume that we can wake up one morning and be totally happy being single while still be total, being totally open to a relationship at the same time. Like there is no quick fix, there is no switch to flip. Life is not these, you know, instantaneous life-changing moments or, or like big breaks into a completely different way of seeing the world or seeing singlehood. Uh, it happens over time. It happens over a long period of time. The way that I feel about singlehood, the way that I feel about relationships, it took a really long time for me to get to this headspace. It was not overnight. I don't want you to think that it was. Um, so practice, baby steps, and self-kindness. That's what's going to help you achieve more balance in the way that you feel about being single. It's um, it, There's a real unfairness, and believe me, I have felt this so many times recently as well, um, that I'm very happy and content with my singlehood. And then when I entertain the idea, you know, if I, if I come across somebody that I could potentially be interested in or start speaking to somebody, whatever, it's almost as if letting those feelings in is somehow detracting from my singlehood happiness. Um, It takes practice to stay in balance. It really does. And one of the reasons why I'm such an advocate for the positives of single life is that when you see them, 
when you start to see the good and feel the good, the genuine good, not consolation prize good, the genuine good in single life, that balance is so much easier to maintain. If all you do is hate being single, of course, like the idea of a relationship and the the drive to it and the desire for it is going to throw you out of whack, of course. But if you like both things, if you like being single and you like being in a relationship in equal measure, it's so much easier to stay in balance. And it's so much easier to avoid feeling like you have to set these hard and fast rules around your life that no one is making you impose on yourself. You don't have to. You don't have to have any rules that you don't want. Um, so I, I hope that answers the question for this patron and for anyone else who's listening. Um, balance is possible and balance is an option. I know that that hasn't been communicated to us very much, but it is possible to love singlehood and the idea of your next relationship at the same time. Just practice baby steps and a little bit of self-kindness. If you don't get it right the first time, it's okay. It's okay if you don't get it right the 15th time, it's still okay then too. Um, but there are there are more ways to think and feel about singlehood and relationships than we have been fed in the past. Um, and it seems like the good ways to feel never come in for single women. It's always like uh, our singlehood is always posed to us as a problem to fix. And when partnership comes along there, the singlehood problem is fixed. Everything's better. Everything's fine. And it's not. Um, And that happens, in my opinion, in a really irresponsible way. Like you guys know, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you know how difficult it can be to be single, how difficult it can feel to go through dating. Dating is not necessarily a fun thing. Sometimes it's a very difficult thing. It's a very like mentally and emotionally taxing thing. And, you know, suddenly partnering doesn't erase everything that you've been through. And I don't think that we spend a whole lot of time talking about how difficult being single is and the fact that even finding partnership doesn't erase everything that you went through in the meantime. So I hope that everybody is practicing a lot of self-kindness. I hope everybody has the mental health resources that they need. Um, And I hope that a podcast like this one is helping you feel better as well, because it's very tough. And um, we, we need to talk about how tough it is. And we need to talk about how tough it is without looking at partnership as like a way out of the toughness. Because even when we do partner, that won't completely erase everything that we live through in the meantime. Um, Another reason why I'm such a big proponent of us coming to a place where singlehood is something amazing. Um, There's so much value in it. There's so much value in a single life fully lived. And I hope that this podcast can help people um, start thinking about single life that way. Just a couple more housekeeping things before I get into today's interviews. If you have recently tried to join the Facebook group for this podcast, it is now a patrons only Facebook group. So if you have been, uh, if your request to join has been declined, that just means that you're not a patron yet. So you might want to visit my Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. And by becoming a patron, you will have access to the Facebook group for this community. And also if you request to join the Facebook group, I send everybody a DM with information about the Patreon. So check your DMs if you have been um, 
denied access to the Facebook group because there's a DM from me waiting for you to check out. Um, also, the episodes of this podcast that are Patreon only that have happened during the month of February are um, actually pretty awesome, you guys. So I wanted to tell you about them in case you're curious. Um, you can go to shanysilver.com at any time and look at all of the podcast episodes that have gone live, um, whether or not they are uh, free access public episodes or Patreon episodes. I post them all on shanysilver.com so you can check out what they are. And if you're not a patron and you see an episode that sparks your interest, you can become a patron and listen to it. And as soon as you become a patron, you have access to all of the podcast episodes that I have ever published on Patreon. So all of the episodes in 2021, and then a year's worth of solo episodes uh, that I published before I um, before I started moving the main podcast over to Patreon. So there's a lot of content waiting for you for $5 a month. It is, in my opinion, such a bargain, and I hope you'll consider joining. So what did you miss in February if you are not a patron? So you missed an episode with Leslie Kaz, who is so cool. She's going to be a repeat guest. And I knew that about 10 minutes into speaking with her. She is, um, how do I describe it? She's one of us. I describe her as one of us. She works with single women to help them live in a very confident, happy, full, vibrant space. And um, she's just she's just one of us. It was very much like meeting a new friend. I know I say that all the time, but it's um, it was really clear that she and I are on an incredibly similar wavelength when it comes to single life. And uh, I had a blast talking to her. I can't wait to have her back. And then I also spoke to Andres Romero, who um, a good friend of mine and patron sent me a TikTok of his. Yes, TikTok. Um, I didn't, I had never opened the TikTok app in my life until Andres Romero made a very, very strong argument for me downloading it. So now I have TikTok. But um, he was getting into the the need for us to normalize single life, for us to stop seeing it as something that's wrong, and for us to start seeing it as something that's normal. And if you have been listening to this podcast for even a week's time, you know that he and I share that opinion very deeply. So um, I obviously wanted to bring him onto the podcast to chat with him about his thoughts on singlehood. We had a great conversation and um, it's waiting for you over on Patreon if you want to listen. And then the last one for February is a solo episode where I get into quite a few um, patron questions that came in. And then I also got into a book review. I don't often do book reviews, but sometimes something happens out in the world that uh, I can't be quiet about. And very recently, there was a book published called How to Not Die Alone. And um, when I first saw it, my gut reaction was, no, I'm not giving this book the time of day. This is not for me. Obviously, I'm not holding space for this book. Done. But I received a DM on Instagram from a podcast listener who read the book and it made her feel terrible. And um, that, how do I describe this? Lit a fire under my ass? I think that's probably what that DM did for me, because it's it's always harder for us to hear about someone else's hurt feelings than our own. And so when I heard about her hurt feelings as a result of a book called How to Not Die Alone, um, I went to work. So I bought the book, 
I read the book and I did sort of a real-time review of the book over on my Instagram, which you can check out in an Instagram story highlight of mine. Um, But I also dedicated an entire podcast episode to my thoughts on the book after I'd had a little bit more time to let them settle and put a little bit more critical thinking behind it than I can deliver in an Instagram story. Uh, So there is a podcast episode over on Patreon that is dedicated to a review of this book and um, it gets into so many, so many things that are made for single people and targeted at single people that are harmful, that are very, very harmful. And um, unfortunately, with something like how to not die alone, you don't even have to read the book to take in the negative message, because the negative message is in the title. And um, it's a great title. If you are interested in making money, by making single people feel like shit. So uh, you can get into all of my thoughts on the book itself over on Patreon, but I can just tell you that it starts at the title and it doesn't stop until the last page. So um, I do not recommend this book to anyone, but I do recommend that you um, at the very least check out my Instagram highlight about it um, or the Patreon episode, which is linked below. There are um, There are enough messages about singlehood out in the world that shame single women. And there need to be more messages out there that see us instead. And um, it was upsetting to see a brand new message of shame and lack and urgency and failure and, uh, quite honestly, settling uh, being put out there in the world. Again, in 2021, it was kind of shocking to see. So um, I get into it over on Patreon, and I will link to it in the show notes below if you'd like to check it out. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play my brief chat with Jessie Jollis so that she can tell you about a new project that she is, uh, well, she's already released it as of as of today when I'm recording this for you. It is released in the world. So uh, you'll get to check it out. It will be linked in the show notes for you below. Um, so I'm going to play my brief chat with Jessie, and then I'm going to go straight into my interview with Demona. So um, just sit back and enjoy or, you know, do some chores while you listen. However you listen to podcasts. How do we listen to podcasts now? Like, I know we used to do this when we commute or like, but that doesn't happen anymore. So how, I don't know. However you prefer to enjoy your podcasts, please do so for like the next, I don't, hour and 15, 20 minutes, something like that. There's a lot to it, but there was so much that I wanted to share with you guys this week. And um, I thank you so, so much for being listeners and supporters of this podcast. Please remember to subscribe and leave me a rating and review. And if you would join the Patreon, that would just be the best thing in the whole wide world. Thank you guys so much for listening. Okay, so two seconds ago, before I pushed record, Jesse Jollis and I were uh, reminiscing about the very first episode of a single serving podcast when she came over to my apartment and I didn't know before we recorded that I didn't have even remotely the right equipment to record a podcast. I, I still don't know how we did it. Were we sharing a microphone? Yeah, because it was like a circle globe. And so at first we were trying in different rooms, remember? Yes. And then it was like the echo. I'm like, we couldn't figure that out. Oh my God. We recorded it at my coffee table in the living room. Yeah. I was definitely sweating because technology issues make me sweat profusely. That was so long ago. Uh, We were so young. We were so (laughs) young and fresh and full of promise. I know. And look at us now having done many, many more successful things. Mazels to us both. Mazels Um, to us. (laughs) 
And Jesse, tell everyone why we are chatting again today. Um, you did a thing. I did a thing. I know what it is, and I'm very much in love with it. But these people don't know what it is yet, so please tell them. They don't. Well, and I begged you. I said, can I please come on? Um, Beg, please. And you could call me <laughs> once a week, and you could come on the podcast. Would love that. How fun would that be? I'll just co-host. Um except for I'm not as informed and truly, you, you know, way more than I do about, I feel like, yeah, you are the expert at self-love and all that. I fight the good single fight. I'll say that it's worth fighting. It's worth fighting. I know that's the best part about being your friend, but also all your listeners feel it too. It's like, you feel better about yourself after listening to you. And that's That's a goal, man. Thank you. That's what what they should do uh, is because I wrote a pilot that has come out and exists and um, a TV pilot, correct? Yes. A TV pilot that we are trying to sell as a TV show. And we decided to go the back roads way, if you will. Uh, We had tried to drive on the regular road and a lot of roadblocks. So we said, screw it. We're going off the path. We're making it ourselves. We'll figure out how to get back on the road later. Sure. Um, so she's kind of humble right now. Jesse made a television show and it's a real thing that exists and it's hilarious and brilliant. And um, it looks like it was a huge and collaborative effort uh, that I really want to help support. So please tell my audience um, a little bit about it. Yeah. So it's about a nonprofit that is helping unpopular animals. So uh, the co-creator and I, Sarah Smallwood Parsons, wanted to write a show that was um, had all female leads and wasn't about the fact that they're all female. Um, so the best place to do that, a selfless environment. To us, we were like a nonprofit is a really great place for that. I had worked in nonprofits earlier in my career, and it's a lot of times it's a lot of women. So we just felt like that was a great place for it. Um, and our whole cast is female identifying. And my favorite part about it is it's not brought up at all because I, I absolutely loathe, uh, media that, you know, stars a woman that's a size 12 and they talk about it the entire time. And I just want to slam my head into a wall and be like, so you're not doing anything (laughs) like this is, you're making it unusual. So I don't understand how this deserves any praise. Anywho, so we, um, that's just part of it. And it's absolutely not discussed. And, you know, the women go on an adventure that is, you know, with what they're working on and trying to help certain animals and the pilot, they try to help raccoons. And it's very fun. Did they also try to help cockroaches or did I make that up in my head? Yeah. So at the beginning of the, of the pilot, they talk about other animals they, that they've helped. So it's all the animals, you know, that are unpopular and no one wants to help because they're maybe a little odd or hideous or there's too many or too little. So, so cockroaches, like the non, fire ants. The non-cuddleable animals. Exactly. You know, I think their, you know, um, nemesis during this is the AS. PCCA is what we call it. It's like the cute animals, but uh, essentially it's like Sarah McLaughlin singing about dogs and cats. It's like way easier to get on board with than like a fire ant. 
Or like a New York pigeon. Yeah, exactly. A pigeon. Yeah. Something like that. I saw a video of it or saw a TikTok because that's the thing I do now of a pigeon in a woman's apartment that had flown in like a New York pigeon had flown in the window of a woman's apartment. And she just like looked at it and she was like, get out of here. (laughs) What the fuck are you doing in my house? Um, So I have seen the pilot. It's called Forgotten Animals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did I never say the name? My no. my fault. <laughs> we took care of it. It's good. Um, I've seen it um, because I got to watch a screening of it and I had so much fun. Honestly, that was the most like plans I've had in so long. I was so excited to sit down and watch it. Yay. I had like a glass of champagne and toasted to your honor oh. and, like while I was watching. It was amazing. I also really like um, group watching things because we were all chatting and mm-hmm. it just it made me feel less alone while making me laugh, which I appreciated. Yeah. Um, I love, love, love the idea of an all-female identifying cast, and that's just the way it is. It's not right. the point, um, but also it's just a very funny story, and it's a really funny concept, in my opinion. And um, I hope that everybody watches it and shares it, and um, I hope it gets made into a television show that everyone can watch by pressing a button on their Roku TV. Me too. Um, <laughs> What what else do people need to know? Where can they where can they watch it? Yes. So if you go to Forgotten Animals Series.com, so it's two S's. That part always throws me off because it's animals and then series. Um, uh, double S dot com. That has that will have the pilot on it and additional information if you're looking or have a powerful friend you're hey. sending it to. You never know. You never know. And you can also just go to the show notes for this episode and you can click the link that says watch Jesse's television program and you'll be able to do that. Uh, So thank you, Jesse, for being my first guest ever and for sharing this new project. And I hope you will always come back and tell us about new projects in the future because uh, we like you and we like them. Thank you. I am joined today by Demona Hoffman, who I have wanted to talk to for quite some time. So I owe her a huge thank you for joining me today, but I will let her uh, let you know who she is. Demona Hoffman, welcome to the podcast. Let everybody know who you are and what you do. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. The feeling is totally mutual. And I, gosh, I mean, I've been, I've been helping people find love for over 15 years And I, but because I have been through it, I have been in it. I've been on the other side. I've been frustrated about it. And I found for me that using the tool of dating apps was literally life altering for me. And I just want to, I just want to share that with other people now because it's been so huge for me. So that's the short answer. What I do now, I help people on every aspect of dating and I do this a lot also in media. Um, I have a column in the LA Times. I feel weird just like talking about myself and the things that I've done. So I think people will figure it out as we continue the conversation. Fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. And so you know that this conversation is a bit of a departure for my podcast because I think mm-hmm. you and I are on two polar opposites of the professional spectrum. Um, I did not have a positive experience with the dating apps for a decade's time. So I too am in the business of helping people feel better in the single space, but without the dating apps as a tool. So I typically don't get into dating on this podcast because um, I want to be one 
dating free space for singles to come and know that there is something created for them in this world that has nothing to do with dating at all. Um, because I've just seen, I mean, Google products for single people, it's just app after book after, you know, and it all pertains to dating. And I think over time that can kind of soak in sort of a negative message when all you ever see made for you is something about the thing you don't have. Um, So this is a departure, but it's an important one for me because I want to talk to somebody that I can have like a real conversation about this stuff with. Um, And we were were actually on the radio together about a week ago. And um, I just, I loved what you had to say. And I wanted to talk to somebody that I felt like I could connect with on this topic and and chat productively, um, which is why I'm so, so excited to chat with you. Um, and I'm curious, well, you said this a little bit, but like, what made you want to be a dating coach? What made you want to help people find love? It was never an intentional decision. I, I kind of fell into this. I was working as a casting director, actually, in television, and I was helping people write dating profiles. I, I was helping people... Let me rephrase this. I was helping actors to um, market themselves and have headshots that stood out to someone like me. And then I wrote my own dating profile using some of the tools and techniques that I would tell actors about standing out and getting noticed by someone like me. And it was immediately a different experience for me when I kind of took the emotion out of it and just thought like from the perspective of the person, like I'm the casting director picking somebody, picking somebody's picture and saying like, this person's right for this role. I was like, what if I'm casting myself in my own love story? And so I started writing dating profiles with that philosophy and it just sort of, grew from there. I was getting so many calls, like I'm getting married, I'm having a baby. I'm like, oh, maybe this is something people don't know that I should be sharing. And all that to say also, like, I'm totally, I, I, I've I, been a fan of yours for a long time. And I am totally on board as well with people embracing singlehood. I don't think those things are necessarily mutually exclusive. So while I love to share the, 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 the joy of dating apps and how I've learned to use them as a, as an effective tool. I also understand that they can be very frustrating. And I also embrace, like I did an episode of my podcast dates and mates in the fall about releasing single shame and embracing your singlehood because it's not always your season for dating. And I think there's a lot of value in the time that you have when you are single to get to know yourself better and have your life be full without another person. Like I believe I'm a whole person who also happens to be in a relationship with another whole person. And if we had come into it, both seeking something else or having like a need for partnership, um, it wouldn't have gone so well. (laughs) I heard that episode and I love that episode and I will be linking to it in the show notes for this episode for anyone who would like to listen to it. I highly encourage you to do so. So one of the things that I've noticed in my line of work is that there it, it is sometimes hard to communicate that um, I'm not about choosing singlehood. I'm not about swearing off dating or swearing off men or swearing off women. I really don't like these, you know, 
staunch rules placed around ourselves. I feel like there's enough of that in real life. There, I have enough rules I have to follow. Like I have enough taxes I have to pay. Why more rules? I don't need more <laughs> rules. What I want is for people to be able to come to a place where they value their single time for all that it is and all that it can be. And maybe find a bit more balance between the value of single time and the value of couple time. Because when I look at the world, I see couple time exalted to such heights and I see singlehood degraded so low. And I want more balance because I think getting married is a terrible time to realize that you love singlehood. I would like us to enjoy it while we're in it. And then one day when we are partnered to look back on it, not with a sense of relief, but with a sense of fondness. Like I'm so glad I I utilized my single years the way that I did. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. And I think sometimes in the space that we work in for, for someone to tell, hear me talk about singlehood positively, there's this assumption that I have sworn off relationship or something. I really look forward to my next one. I just simply refuse to be miserable until then. And I don't think Single singles get a lot of support for that idea out in the world. But um, I really like the idea of like a whole person with a whole person and that never changes. And I think we all have to, we all have to want that because it's a little scary for me to enter into a relationship thinking that it makes me whole because then what if it ends? Is that not terrifying? Do I not become right. half a person? Right. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And I love the way that you just said that, Shani, like this idea of like when sometimes I'll I'll like post things on Instagram. People will be like who are in a relationship like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to go through that anymore. I'm so glad I found my person and I don't have to do singlehood. And I just they're like, aren't you glad? Aren't you aren't you so glad that you don't have to deal with this? And I'm like, I mean. Not really. I really, I loved being single. I really appreciated that phase of my life. It's very over, of course, but I get to shepherd other people through that, through that experience. And there's no part of me that looks back on my single life and feels like, God, I wasted this time. Or I, uh, you know, I fumbled through dating apps and was frustrated for a long time. I just don't, I don't have that mindset. Um, and I actually did a lot of work before I met my husband that I think was really valuable. I was working with a coach, not specifically a dating coach, but a life coach. And she had me get clear on really who I was and what made me tick and what I enjoyed apart from a partner. I think a lot of times when people are so blended with their partner, then the relationship ends and they're like, wait, what is it that I liked again? I forget because independently I had all these things that I used to do. And now, so she had me, she, and I had, um, I had a tendency to schedule in time for other people, not just relationships, but for my friends, for my job, for other people above time for myself. And she said, she actually had me get a picture of myself as a little girl. And she said, okay, I want you to look at that little girl. And tell her you don't have time for her. Tell her that the next time you go do something for your boss when you were supposed to take her to the movies, I want you to tell her you don't have time for her. And I was like, ouch, oh my God. But it really helped bring things into perspective that that time that you spend with yourself is very valuable. It needs to be scheduled the same way 
any other time. And it needs to really be cherished and cultivated. And I was terrified at the beginning of this alone time that I had, I had to schedule into my calendar. I was terrified to have that time alone. But the more that I did it, the more I started to look forward to it. And it's a ritual that I still, even in the pandemic and even married with two children, I still make sure that I schedule in my solo time. As hard as that is right now. (laughs) (laughs) I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. And there are, you are catching me actually on just a really low pandemic day. It's like doldrums, depression, whatever you want to call it. Today's been a hard one. I am so tired of being by myself. I am so tired of being in these walls. I'm so tired of the fact that an actual global pandemic is happening. And like, with all that and any feelings of sadness I feel or frustration or exhaustion, I'm still like, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that I'm here by myself and I don't have to like it's not a struggle to find alone time. I'm not taking care of anyone else. I'm not exposing anyone else to my germs. I'm not like just all the worries that I would have and certainly do have when I talk to my friends who have kids who are doing homeschool and all of it. I've had to really remind myself of how lucky I am today because it's been a lonely one. I will not lie to you. Well, thank you for sharing that, first of all, and being transparent about that because I think also a lot of people are afraid to express that and yet many people are experiencing that same same thing. Um, yes, weirdly, yesterday was a down pandemic day for me. I'm okay today. And it that's we the thing. Them. It changes. It changes day to day. And that's, I think, an important thing to remember as we go through this, that the state that you are in is not constant and that it it has the ability to shift and that you can, through small actions, have the power to shift it. And something that I do with my dating coaching clients. I did something different um, this year. I ran my group. Usually I get very tactical on dating apps. I'm like, okay, here's what your profile needs to say. Here are the steps you need to take. And I was like, I feel like people don't need that right now this year. I feel like people need a little bit more of the the soul work and bolstering their spirit. So I spent um, more time on that, which I think some people were not, were like, "Mm, that's not that's not what I thought we were doing here, but I just really felt like it was very important and that these are the tools that people don't get and that people aren't talking about. Sure. You can listen to my podcast and get, get tangible, actionable tips. You can pick up a book and learn how to, how to flirt better, how to have a better profile. But I was like, Who's teaching you how to sit with yourself, how to how to have gratitude for those moments? I had them all do a gratitude journal, a daily gratitude journal, which I have maintained actually uh, throughout the entire time I had them doing it. And now beyond the class is done and I'm still doing it. I have my kids now doing it. And every day before every night before dinner, I have them say, what are you grateful for? Because sometimes that's enough. Like. I'm grateful for having power. Like you don't know, not, not power, power, like electricity. I'm grateful for having what running water. You don't know how important those really simple things are until you don't have them. And if we can just find a little bit more gratitude in the moment for even the mundane, then it can make it a little bit easier to get through days like the one that you're having. I could not agree more. Gratitude is such a mood. I try to do it every morning. First thing when I wake up is just make a mental list of everything I'm grateful for and have it not be the same things every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, if nothing else, the day starts off on a positive, abundant note 
and it's been I, that's been helpful and nice for me. Maybe I should start writing it down though. It might sink in a bit more. Who knows? Again, weird day, weird, yeah. weird day around here, and it's like snowing and it's very loud today, which someone who's recording two podcasts today is not super appreciative of. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But in general, um, I do feel feel really lucky and safe during during all of this madness. Um, but that was an excellent segue that you just gave me to ask the next question I want to ask you. For those who don't know or might need a refresher course, what does a dating coach actually do and what does a dating coach actually not do? Mm, excellent question. And I'll just answer in terms of what I do. I don't know what all the other dating coaches are doing. They do different things. I mean, there are people that will like get you dressed for the date and help you develop your date wardrobe and do your hair and take pictures. I don't do that. As you can see, I'm not a fashionista. (laughs) Nor am I. (laughs) I think this is from The Gap. Um, I'm all about comfort. I have two modes and it's like on camera, fully done or just like the slouchiest. (laughs) You know something? I think this pandemic is taking away in between clothes. I said (laughs) my best friend the other day, I was like, listen to me, you're going to get me in sweats or completely done. There is no longer anything in between. And she's like, I've been doing this for years. Throw away your jeans. We're done. Yeah. I actually wore jeans today. I never wear jeans. It's so funny. Um, Yeah, she's right. And this is kind of how I live. Maybe one saving grace for me of the pandemic is I already lived like this. Like I've been working for home from home for years. I've been recording from home, broadcasting from home. So I'm like, oh, well, this is just now everyone else is living like me. So yeah, go ahead and get rid of the jeans. I have one pair and I'm wearing them. Um, But what I do is I help people figure out who they are, what they want and how to get it in love. And it's really that simple. I have a five-step step system where we go through mindset, both like what are those limiting beliefs and thought processes in your head that may be preventing you from getting that. I also help you clarify what you want and why you want it, because sometimes we want things on a page that our family, friends, society told us we wanted. And when we do the deeper work, we realize that that story is not the story actually that um, has the ending that we desire. Then we do sourcing where you find looking for dates. Maybe you're looking in the wrong places and it's just, usually it's like very small, very small modifications that I make in your process that help open you up to new possibilities, new people and new ways of moving through the dating process. Uh, screening, how are you determining if somebody is worth your precious time and if they're the right person for you to continue to invest in presentation. How are you showing up on the date (laughs) when you're fully dressed or when you're casual, nothing in between and then follow through. And this is where actually I think a lot of people get tripped up and don't, don't know that there is really a process and a finesse to, uh, to following through whether you're interested or not. I very much believe that the energy that we put out is what we get back. And if you're not closing the loop with people and you're not treating people, um, I, I, my approach is empathetic dating, like always, always thinking about how is that other person feeling? Like, how am I feeling? But also how are my actions impacting the other person? And so it's really a loop. And these are like the, the five 
five loops in the dating funnel that sometimes we get stuck in and we keep leap looping through one. And I try to run people all the way through it, through different strategies. Um, but looking at, at dating as sort of a, as a process and, uh, and just a, it's an interesting conundrum that because I've been doing this for so long and I've helped so many people move through it and change their beliefs and change their experiences that I just give people the system to be able to change. What I am not is a matchmaker. I've tried that. And while I, I am not a matchmaker, but I do play one on TV and I do write <laughs> for a column called date lab in the LA, in the uh, Washington post, um, which is a matchmaking column. And I do actually match people for that based on what I think are important factors <laughs> for matching. Um, it is not my heart's desire to just bring you, I say the matchmaker brings you the fish. I teach you how to fish because I want you to have a lifetime of fish. I don't want you to just have one fish. What if that fish doesn't work out? What if that fish sim swims away? What if, what you if don't that like fish that sends fish? you dick pics, you know, like yeah. <laughs> toss that fish back. You don't yeah. want those fish dick pics. Nah. Yeah. Mm -mm. So um, I, I think there's a lot of confusion um, just in the love industry. People think that that those two roles are synonymous. And there are a lot of matchmakers now that offer coaching, which is lovely. Um, but for the time being, I don't, I don't matchmake for people because I want, I want you to do the work. I'm more interested in, in growth and personal development than I am in just the goal of getting to the date. Thank you very much for that description. I found that very helpful. Um, I have, such mixed feelings about the dating industry and the love industry. You know what? No, I don't. I really don't like it. Um, I, I tend to be very uh, protective of the feelings of single people, particularly the feelings of single people who have had a very, very hard road in the dating space. And I mean, you know the drill, like you've tried everything and nothing has worked. That's a real thing that happens. It happened to me for a decade. Like it's just, it's incredibly real. So I tend to be very, very protective of feelings, but to I think it's very important to point out that dating coaches are working on the things that you described. They're not, they're not selling you a partner. That's not what's happening. It's a very different kind of, of, uh, situation. Yeah. And I, you know, some people I think are frustrated by that. Um, I, I just don't, I don't like the idea of people thinking that they are paying for a problem to go away, you know? Exactly that. Exactly that. Ugh. Yeah. And that's, that's why. And also just the amount of investment that people sometimes make in matchmaking, unwilling to look at the, the real issue at, at hand. Um, you know, that someone would invest five to $10,000. I just saw a story the other day about people were at, saying this one matchmaking company like didn't didn't do what they said and they charged them thousands of dollars and and I'm like well I don't know did they deliver what they said they were going to deliver like they said they would deliver dates and if they delivered dates if you didn't like them I mean that's still kind of what you paid for so exactly. yeah if I'm delivering a transformative process through which you will understand yourself better and have the tools to date 
regardless of a pandemic, regardless of if you break up with somebody, to me, that feels more ethical. And I, it ha- just so happens that I have very good results and very generally pandemic aside, very quick results for people. But I think that's because I I'm looking at the problem in a different way or the 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 whatever their goal is in a different way. And they show up willing to do that kind of work. I, I, I realize like as I'm talking, I'm probably like anti-selling myself. People are like, work? Uh-uh, honey. I don't <laughs> want to do all that. But to me, like having gone through a coaching process and continuing to like like one of the brands that I work with on my podcast is BetterHelp. I believe in therapy. I believe oh, I in love BetterHelp. development. Yeah. I I I use it. And no shame in, in that. And I I think that it's just very exciting to think of from a growth mindset and the fact that where whatever your relationship status is, you always are evolving and learning and growing. And through the dating process, if you so choose to experience that, you are learning more about yourself. It's not just the goal of like, can I, can I catch this man? (laughs) And there's value in that, right? There is value in that level of growth and the sort of like teach a man to fish mindset for, for better preparing somebody to enter the dating space. I think when we can only focus on partnership and only zero in on, I can't be single anymore. I have to find this person. We're missing such a broader picture of, of what we can experience as people even. And I have to apologize for the noise in the hallway. No matter what time I book my podcast recordings, that's the time they take out the recycling and without fail, almost <laughs> without fail. So I apologize if you can hear noise in the background. It, it's almost done. Um, let me see. Life We're, in the big city, you, you know, know it's glamorous. You know. <laughs> Let's see. Um, okay. Here's a question I want to ask you. If I had to pinpoint my biggest dating frustration, Um, It's that whenever someone's singlehood is posed as a negative, the sort of like, why are you still single kind of trope, uh, the focus is always on the person or more likely the woman. Um, What's she doing wrong? What are you doing wrong? And seemingly, at least I haven't seen it this way. Maybe you have. It's never on dating itself and what dating itself needs to rectify or improve. It's never the culture. It's always the person participating in it that's wrong. Would you agree or do you think that we just sort of need to, you know, this is what dating is. Let's figure out how to interact with it as best we can. Well, you just like straight up took a <laughs> took a page out of my book there. I <laughs> I believe the situation is what it is. And you've probably heard me say before, dating apps are tools. They're not living, breathing things. They don't have chivalry. They don't have um, feelings. (laughs) They're not out to get you. It's just a tool and you don't know how to use it yet. And so it's like, if I can just show you how to use the tool more effectively, like going back to earlier in my story, when I was casting, I was like, okay, this isn't about me, but this is me thinking of myself as a product in the store of the dating app, basically. How do I present myself as product me? It's not emotional, right? It's strategic. Um, that is, a, I think, a big shift for people. And it's, it's rarely 
like, oh, I just hate that that phrase that you said, like the why are you still single and the still I hate the still too. You and me both, friend. You and me both. And how there's no way that you can one there's just no way you can answer that question. There's no way you can answer that question authentically in saying like what answer are they looking for? Oh, because I'm because I'm like crazy and I am I'm the worst uh, actually that's why I'm still single I'm the absolute worst um that's what's happening no I just yeah, have, I'm yeah. single because like, I haven't met my partner yet that's it d- uh, duh yeah that's that's <laughs> that's all that really and I have ways that I have my clients like deflect because I'm like they're really not asking why are you still single they're really saying I don't feel like I'm good enough for you. You seem really amazing. And so if I kind of knock you down to my level, then maybe we can see eye to eye here and I might actually have a chance. (laughs) So I just say, tell them, uh, well, because I was waiting for you, darling, you know, (laughs) something like that. And then, and then you're off to the races and you can get past that question. Um, I, I don't see it actually asked of men nearly as frequently as, as women. I do think there's a problem in that. And I, I do, well, I'm weird in this space because I am so, I'm, I'm just so interested in the process and the tools and all of that, that I do actually talk about the, I talk about the apps and the strategies and how we can, how we can make it a better experience. And I remember hearing the CEO of Zeus, um, when it, they, they had a female CEO a f- number of years ago. And she said at this conference that dating apps would really begin to take off and be embraced when they thought about the experience of women and ha- helping women feel more comfortable using them. And Thank that you. most dating apps were being built by men, were being thought of from the male perspective of like, oh, who am I swiping through? Let me look at these pretty pictures. But if they could really think from the women's perspective, and I think that that really happened, like this was before Bumble really hit. Obviously, Bumble just went went public and is huge. But I feel like Bumble was sort of, I mean, even though I had for years said to women, like, take control of your dating destiny. You need to be the one doing the picking. You send the messages. It's not about chivalry or waiting to get chose. Like, you choose who you want to interact with. I've said that forever. But Bumble, I just missed the... <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> because it. Bumble, like, they captured that in the form of an app. And that's, I think, one reason why they've been so successful. But they did one thing. To play devil's advocate, they did one thing they made the woman say, send the message first. That's the only way that Bumble is different. And essentially what they've done is they've made it easier for men. Now men have no responsibility for saying hello first. They just get to sit back and let the women roll in. So I actually, I'm not a fan of Bumble. I think they did one thing differently. And in every other way, it's the exact same as Tinder or Hinge or everybody. Completely. But it was developed from the mindset of the woman that was like, I didn't like the experience being on match and having 150 messages every day from these guys that I would never actually date. And I think that it's the Tinder did this too, but the mutual match also that flipped the script that you can't just, you're not just like hollering at me from the construction site. I actually have to make eye contact with you and say, yes, yes, we can have this exchange for it to move forward. Um, 
And yeah, I think there's also this element of safety too that has to be addressed in dating. That's like the number three most most common question that I get asked. Uh, there's a lot of fear around dating apps, but I think about like my single life. I I have often joked, uh, it's not funny, but I've joked that I'm, one day I'll write a book called I Could Have Been Dead, just about like all of the experiences that I had. And I'm like, who was that guy? I still don't even know who that guy was. He just showed up at the bar by himself. And then I was like, sure, I'll go to your house. Oh my God. It's, Why? we all have so many of those. Actually, please write that book because I think you have some <laughs> amazing contributions for it as well. I would buy that love, on Publishing I would Day. Love- I would love to hear your contributions, but, but I, I personally feel a little bit more, more comfort around the fact that we at least have, now we have location information. We have, we have an IP address. We have some way to connect back to that person because I could have been a lost soul uh, out here in these LA streets a lot, uh, many a time, (laughs) many a time in Brooklyn, many and Chicago and Philadelphia (laughs) and Los Angeles. Like it, I mean, it could have been so And if much I took more. a vacation wherever I was there too, right? Like Flor- Florence, I don't know. I was just <laughs> out in these, in these, in these Florentine Renaissance, in these Florentine <laughs> Tuscan. I was out there under the Tuscan sun in these streets. <laughs> oh, but I'm okay. You yeah. have to tell the tale. Yeah. We're here and we can use that, the wisdom we've acquired. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's one thing that I do like about dating apps is that I actually do feel like it's safer. Like, yeah, you get the dick pics and we, you know, block and delete, but I don't, I'd rather get the dick pics than, than dicks in the streets. Well, (laughs) touche. And that's fair. Yeah, I've, I have discussed that on other podcasts before about how like dick pics are just digital flashings that they're getting away with because if they did it on the street, they'd be arrested. But because it's happening in an app where there's no consequences for behavior like that, other than reporting them. And my God, the people that have to answer the reporting notifications that work for these apps, just everybody light a candle for anyone who has to go through the reporting notifications and evaluate them. I can't even fathom. I've actually heard that that those people um, do seek a lot of therapy and no joke, like Oof. all kidding aside, that they, that there are, and even the people that kind of filter as you're posting the profile pics and, you know, they go through the profiles, they, they have access, they know what messages you're sending. They have, tri- they have words that trigger certain filters. They, they know all of the things, they know all of the things, which to me gives me a little bit of a sense of security versus if it was like the thing that has changed in dating culture that I don't love is how people have moved. They, they want to move off the app very quickly. And I feel like, well, then you can't, you don't have the paper trail. You don't have the control. You don't have the safety of the app. So I try to have my clients stay on the app for until they really feel comfortable. But now it's like swipe, we match like, Hey girl, what's your phone number from like the second message. That's intense. That's, I mean, I don't do this anymore. I haven't done it in two years. So for all of these reasons, I love your optimism though. I love that you see the, the benefit of the advancements that have been made and the, 
the added security of knowing something like someone's location or IP address. I, I think that's a cool perspective because these guys are tired of hearing mine, which is just burn them all to the ground because it's, I have to ask myself what we've done. What kind of culture have we allowed to breed when there have to be people reviewing disgusting messages being sent without consent to people? It's like, what have we done and how do we fix it? Because I just have a hard time with someone who wants love, a thing that we all deserve, having to crawl across glass first to get it. That to me is a hard pill to swallow. Well, it's really a larger cultural conversation. And, you know, I'm also, people always, I feel like people want to pin the blame on dating apps for the shift in dating culture. When I actually think that social media has done far more to degrade the dating society than dating apps have. And I also feel like texting has really impacted our dating culture on on a deep level. Fully agree. Because of the dick pics, but just because we really are losing the ability to have real communication and connection with one another. Oh my God. I could not agree more. That's why we can see each other, by the way, because I didn't like recording podcasts without being able to see the person that I was chatting with. I was like, this is not this is not a conversation. I don't think, I think we should see each other's faces. It was just weird. You talk over each other because you can't tell when someone has something to say. Anyway, I digress. You are so right about texting. And I need to remember that because I blame everything on dating apps because I think they're trash, but there has been so much more that has sort of invaded the dating space without even our conscious thought, because like technology has just sped up so fast. Yes. Yes. Well, the speed is a really big thing. That has also, that's probably the thing that has changed the most dramatically since I started doing this back in olden times <laughs> when I started using dating apps, honey. Um, no, no joke. Let me tell you a story, Shani, because when I started doing online dating, it was like 2001. I, we didn't have smartphones. We had flip phones. Okay. I literally had to take a physical photo and walk my butt over to Kinko's. It wasn't even FedEx Kinko's then. I had to walk over to Kinko's. Most embarrassing moment of my life. Uh, I didn't know how to scan. So I had to have, I had to have some cute guy behind the counter scan my photo in. Like, obviously he knew what I was doing, right? (laughs) So he's like scanning these random photos. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I had to get the little disc and that, or the thumb like the thumb drive and then put that into my physical desktop to computer. That's a hell of a barrier for entry. Let me tell you. And so at least we knew that the people who were there had some level of seriousness. Now it's so fast. You literally have your phone, click a couple pictures, link it to your Facebook, Instagram, and you're on. There's no barrier for entry and it's free. Like you had to pay then 30 bucks a month. At least. So if you were paying 30 bucks a month and you walked your butt over to FedEx Kinko's and you had to look that guy in the face and say, can you help me scan these photos for my dating profile? You really you were going to do the work. You were going to show up. Now it's everything is free. And there's this expectation like my clients will say to me, is it worth is it worth it to pay for the extras? Or like somebody said to me, they put all of the good profiles behind the paywall and now I have to pay. And what is it like nine? I don't know, depending on the app, like $6.99, $9.99. They put all the 
dating profiles, good dating profiles behind the paywall. I don't know. I kind of want that. I, I don't want just the whoever came in the door. I would like to have a little like feeling of investment. And also it's not free. The technology is not free. So we have so much entertainment and so many connection and dating options and events and things that are happening for free that we've come to think, expect everything to be free. And it can be free, but it, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Like back when I used to work in television, <laughs> one of my um, one of my colleagues would say, good, fast or cheap, pick two. <laughs> Same in dating. <laughs> you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. I it's um I have no idea what the current cost of dating apps are, to be quite honest. But I do know that some of them now charge weekly. I thought they used to be monthly. Now they're charging weekly fees. Whatever it is, I don't know, but I think it would be nice um to have some data on, you know, I want to see this is how much her husband costs. I would like to know when someone gets married, I would like this kind of data. I would like to know when somebody IPOs at $2.15 billion, how many happy couples exist because of Bumble. Um, I would like to know how much it costs every time for two people to connect with each other. I just want to know, not because I'm being an asshole, but because like, I think that the industry and the dating culture could do with more transparency. I really do think that we need to know what we're getting into. We need to know exactly what we're paying for. I think when we sign up for dating apps, we do it because the culture is now, this is how everyone meets. In reality, I've just read recently, it's about how roughly between 30 and 40% of couples meet is on dating apps. Um, but I, I don't like a mindless participation in dating and in dating apps. I think we should know why we're doing it, obviously, first of all, but then like also what are, what exactly are we paying for? And are we comfortable with what we're really getting? Because I know there were so many times when I was just at such a miserable point in my singlehood and they were asking me for what, 20 bucks. And I was like, I'm 20 bucks away from maybe not being miserable anymore. And so I paid it, but how many dozens of times did I do that? And I never had a single relationship result from 10 years of online dating. And I want to know. I want to know how much I spent. I want to know an accounting of the time that I spent. Maybe I don't. Maybe that's horrific. But like, I, I'm a fan of more transparency because I think it will just lead to kind of like a lift in the the culture. So we're not dealing with, you know, I feel like whenever we tell stories about dating now, horror stories are the default. It's, it's not like, oh my God, I went on this amazing date. I can't wait to tell you. It's, no, I met this guy from Tinder and then he took me back to his house and like, he has like a basement full of dolls and he collects teeth and you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> this is what, that's a true Gosh, fucking story that I heard oh, on a podcast no. recently. Oh, no. Like, it's just, I feel like horror is the default and I want so much better for single people. And I don't, I don't know how to find it. And that frustrates me. But that's that's part of my mission. That's what I'm doing. I'm out here trying to spread that sunshine and those positive and like let you know that it is it it isn't instantaneous. So I was starting to say with the speed of dating, like now that you can start a profile so quickly, you can also swipe onto dates so quickly. And that's why I think pre-pandemic, we were seeing a lot of ghosting and a lot of dating frustration because there was a lot of mindless swiping. There was a lot of activity, which kind of gave you the feeling like something was happening or like your life was changing or like it was worth that $20. But at the same time, there wasn't 
the same intention behind it because how could you if you're spread so thin that you're going on you know three dates a weekend and you're like what was that guy's name i don't even remember and you're getting they're all buried down in the in the chat and you can't even remember really what you said to each person it's it's too much so the the benefit i guess of the pandemic for dating is that it did kind of slow down that process that was just on hyperspeed and i really felt as a dating coach helpless to stop it because everybody came in wanting that like that immediate gratification which going back to social media i think that's where that came from like i'm trying to get likes i'm trying to get as many likes as possible no 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 you're not you're trying to com- connect with a human being but i don't have the number stats of what the monetary investment is. But I can tell you that most of my success stories, the people came to me, like I'm thinking of one of my clients who got married within the pandemic in August, had had a small wedding that most people saw over Zoom. And she had been doing dating apps for years. She said that she she'd been she was divorced and she had been dating, I think she said about 10 years before she met me and we just took a completely different approach. We took a strategic approach. We took a mindful approach and not just a volume speed approach. And interestingly, when you slow down the beginning phase, then the rest happens more quickly. She ended up meeting the guy that she married. I want to say like four months into her work with me. And she had been doing it for 10 years, the wrong the wrong way or the frustrating way. And I had a couple actually from Bumble on my podcast in the fall. They met in the midst of the pandemic. Six months later, they were, I found out after we recorded the podcast, they had just, they got engaged. And they said it was just a much deeper connection that they had made. And again, each of them said, but we had been doing dating apps for years. And I was like, well, might as well just give it one more go. And sometimes that's all it takes of just just like the moment, the suspension of disbelief, just the moment to say, okay, that was my experience and that was very frustrating and I don't want to experience that again. But what if that is not true for me right now? What if I could have a different experience? Or what if I that wasn't my moment? Like what if my person just wasn't there at that time? And that's the that's honestly been the the biggest game changer for a lot of my clients is just opening the door enough for the possibility. And it's not about how much money you spend and it's not about putting everything you have into dating, but just like if you could date differently instead of thinking of doing it for another 10 years exhausted, if you could just do it a different way for three months and just see what happens, what would would that be the life that you want? There are too many excellent points that you just made for me to recap them. So I'm not even going to try. You guys just press rewind by about a minute and listen to that again, please. (laughs) I have wanted to ask a dating coach this for more years than I can count, if you will indulge me. Um, You don't have to answer it, but if you would. What are your thoughts on the bucket of nothing? And I will explain what I mean by the bucket of nothing. Um. This is what happens when, and I didn't, the bucket did not come into form for me until my 30th birthday. The bucket of nothing is endless swiping, zero to, you know, maybe two or three matches a month, 
messaging those people, never hearing back, very, very few dates ever actually booked because nothing gets that far. The older I've gotten, or while I was still doing online dating, the older I would get, the less and less and less opportunity to even interact with people I would have. So I would sort of take an accounting whenever I would take a step back and really look at what I was doing instead of just mindlessly swiping. When I'd really evaluate how I was spending my time, I had to ask myself, what is this for? This is a bucket of nothing. I am swiping into oblivion. I'm never matching with anyone. And maybe if I get just a small amount of matches a month and I say something to them and I've tried every first message you can even imagine. I'd love to hear what the Bumble CEO has to say about it, but, (laughs) and then just never getting responses. It's like in, in my last year of online dating, which was 2018, I went on two dates that year. That's how far it got. I was only able to book two dates. And I just, I really, I finally deleted them because I asked myself, how is this space serving me? How is online dating serving me? And it never had ever. So that's why they were gone for me. It's just not my space. I know it's a a very effective space for many people. I'm not one of those people. Um, And I create content for maybe people who are also having a not so fun experience with it. But what, like if, if we could go back in time to 2018 and I came to you with my bucket of nothing, what would you have thought of the bucket of nothing? Well, I, I, I have <laughs> the walls of my, of my office are lined with buckets of nothing, actually. <laughs> so I've had a lot of people drop those off for me uh, <laughs> over the years. And usually what I do, I, I just, I really get strategic. Like, yes, the mindset is part of it. Yes. The sourcing is part of it. And, and while I'm very bullish on dating apps in case you can't tell, it is not the only thing that I, I encourage people to do. And actually like with my coaching group, we spent half of an entire session trying to figure out some other alternatives, even in the midst of the pandemic for those people who, who felt stuck and felt like they were getting a bucket of nothing to see possibility. It's just like cracking the door open enough for, uh, for, for possibility and opportunity. I just go right to the strategic process. I just go, okay, what is your dating profile saying about you? What are the pictures? Because also sometimes I feel like we start to adapt our profile and put things on based on our experiences. And especially if we're coming at it from a place of frustration that we might not even realize that is being projected out from, from what you've chosen to say or the pictures you've chosen to have. Sometimes it's the app that you're on. Sometimes it's the profile. Sometimes it's the process. Sometimes it's the filters like I was talking about screening. We look at all of those things and we just see like what dials can we turn to shift this experience? And usually, usually for most of my clients, just turning a few of those dials makes them say like, oh, I haven't had this experience before. Because how could you? you you're living in your brain and your experience. You're doing the things the way that you know how to do it. And I just have the vantage point of having done it for 15 years with thousands of people. And so I have different, different tools that you might not have known about or known how to access. That said, the pandemic has really um, has thrown a very weird curveball, I feel like, in the dating experience. So I'm getting really mixed results when even a year ago, I was able to get very predictable, reliable results. I'm getting very mixed results for clients. 
And I think that's because we're in different places with different restrictions. Everybody has their different feelings about what the restrictions mean about themselves, about the world, about the partner that they are going to end up meeting. Um, it's also, we all have such different experiences of how we're handling the pandemic and how we are moving through it. Some people have lost friends and family members and are are grieving and are still out here dating, not even knowing. Some of us are processing trauma and it is traumatic. What we cult, we collectively have gone through is a, a trauma event. And like, can we just acknowledge that instead of just like, well, you know, I should feel better about it. Like, nah, girl, you going through trauma. We have shared trauma here that we are still in the midst of processing. And that shows up differently for different people. And for some people, there's fear that there's financial fear. There's fear of the virus. There's so there's just so much out there that we're dealing with that there's no way that I could reliably promise you a result that you're going to meet your person right now. Now, I've seen it happen. So I know that it is possible. I've seen it happen many, many times throughout the course of the pandemic. But it's this is why I really like to get in there and help people iterate because also how you feel about it today might not be how you feel about it tomorrow and might not be your experience of it tomorrow. So I, I just am here to keep, to just hold space for the positivity and the possibility and help people work through it. So I do have clients right now who are I don't know if they're holding buckets of nothing, but they're having a, an experience similar to yours. And we're in the midst of trying to figure out which dials we need to turn. And I also have people that I've said, you know, maybe this isn't your season. Like you referenced the, the dates and mates singlehood episode. Um, I, I would rather that you press pause and take a break from it, whether it's for three months or three years, <laughs> but you press pause and, then come back at a at a point when you're you have clarity you have the energy you have the focus to do it differently than to just slog through it i think because of this single shame that we talk about people feel like well i'm supposed to be on dating apps i'm supposed to be doing this i have to be here and it's like I, nobody wants to go to a party that they don't want to be at and like <laughs> You go to the party and you're like, oh, I'm not really meeting anyone. It's because you don't want to be at the party. So don't go to the party. That's fine. Have your friends over, share a bottle of wine, and then make a plan, though, to go to the party the next time. Thank you very much for that. So anyone that's listening that is in a bucket of nothing, um, there are there are options. It doesn't have to be a bucket of nothing forever. And for me, the way out of the bucket of nothing was the way out of dating apps. And I, I like to, well, I don't like to believe, I do believe that when I connect with my partner, it will be outside of them, but there are so many people who have connected with their partners within them. And I hope anyone that is having a rough time can, you know, take a step back from it and, and clear the head a bit and evaluate what you're doing and why you're doing it. And hopefully find some Demona inspired dials to turn because I, I really feel for anybody who is in that space where it's just swiping into oblivion with nothing that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel optimistic. And it's at the end of the day, like we're talking about 
love and partnership. Such a wonderful thing that anyone who wants should have. And I, I get very frustrated with how low uh, the the dating culture, the dating space can bring us on such a wonderful topic. That's hard for me to to reconcile. You know what I mean? Because I want it to be, and I'm not talking about fairy tales and fantasies and Disney. I'm talking about you no know, genuine love and partnership and friendship. Those are wonderful things. I just I wish they were less of a schlep to find. You know. I do too. But honestly, it's, <laughs> I, I, I believe it's possible for anybody if they, if they want it. And it just, it's like a prism. We just have to keep turning it and, and looking at it in a different way. And like the possibility that, that the openness to it unfolding for you in a different way. Like I I'm thinking of another client I have who we were doing all the things. I was like, okay, we're going to do full court press. We, we were working with a matchmaker. We also were doing dating apps. We, and we were also doing some of this deeper work that, that I'm, I've been talking about. And she ended up meeting somebody at a store. She was wearing a mask. They made eye contact. They started talking and now they've been together for weeks. They had a beautiful Valentine's day together and I'm just really hopeful. I, I don't, I still believe in love. And so regardless of whatever happens, like this is an experience that has brought her hope. And she hadn't dated again for like 10 years. And to know that you still can meet someone IRL, we just have to stay open to all of it because you never know which way it's going to come in. And if you do the you work, like you show up as that whole person, like we were saying at the beginning, then the possibilities really are endless, even in a pandemic, if you stay open to them. I couldn't agree more. The The idea of endless possibility, I, I reiterate that to this audience as a positive. We, we tend to think of the future in the negative, like I'm afraid nothing good is coming for me, as opposed to I can't wait to see what's coming for me, because there is a positive way to think about the future and, and what it holds. And I um, you know this. There's a, a ton of comparison um, in in the world right now. It's largely social media driven, um, but comparison can. I mean, it'll steal everything from you. But what I try to to tell this audience is, when you see someone start dating someone new, or get engaged, or get married, or whatever it is, um, to try to stop seeing that as something that sparks jealousy, and to try to see it as something that sparks optimism and positivity and openness, because if it happened to them, it can happen at all. And if that's a thing that can happen, I just want it to reiterate that anything can. And, you know, our, our optimism and openness is a terrible thing to lose. And it's, um, it can get, it can get really tough to be a single person, especially a single person over 30, especially a single person over 30 in a pandemic. It's, it can be really tough. And I want us to retain the, the optimism and the openness and the ability to look forward to the future as opposed to fearing it. Yeah. And I'm also a big fan of holding different and some sometimes on the surface com um, emotions that seem in competition with one another, but holding space for them simultaneously, which is uh, really complex, but go with me for a second. Like you can 
I don't, I don't know if it's jealousy, but you can feel a longing when you look at a picture of somebody in a relationship and say, gosh, I really wish I had that. And I'm really happy for that person. And it's the and that I think we could do a I'll do with a little bit more. But, you know, I experienced this too, you know, in my career, like, you know, I see a colleague of mine in the New York Times and I'm like, damn, I wish they had called me. And I'm really happy for her. And more, and I, I just really have this abundance mindset. I'm, and I love that you said, like, you see that it's possible. Like, I always think more for them means more for me and it means more for all of us too. So that, I mean, even if, even if your listeners just take that little piece away and try to apply that, like, God, Shaney, I'm trying to like decrease my social media uh, exposure because I, I, I get real caught up. <laughs> I get real caught up in the emotion of it too. And I think we're also told like, you're supposed to be posting. You're supposed to be living your best life. You're supposed to be out there. And I've also uh, adopted periods of, of just shutting down like a little bit of this, like I actually started with um, the national day of unplugging this, this, this Jewish group that I'm a part of started this like single day that you unplug your phone, you unplug everything and you really power down, you know, like our peoples used to do. (laughs) Some people still do, but that the Shabbat Shabbat period of, you know, Friday night till Saturday night is a time to connect with family is a time to step away from technology and the responsibilities of life and just to, to really be and be introspective and like not even from a religious standpoint, just that time to power off and disconnect is so vital for our mental health. And I'm really, I'm really, um, I, I aggressively promote it within my own company. I'm just like, you are not answering emails on Saturdays. You are not answering emails on Saturdays. Like, do not, do not edit that on a Saturday. You need to protect your time. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people are not talking about that I wish um, was brought to the forefront more. I no longer keep Shabbos, but wouldn't you <laughs> love it if Shabbat started like trending and everybody just started powering down from Friday night to Saturday night? Wouldn't that be amazing? I would love that. And the National Day of Unplugging, I'm not like a spokesperson for it, uh, but it's still a thing that happens. Um, I'm trying to find out when it's happening, but it, it's usually in March. So um, up. it's coming up. And even if you just do it for this one day, March, first Friday in March, if you just do it for one one day, one time, just to see what would that look like if I didn't have my safety blanket of the of the phone. And like, I don't go in all the way like, oh, well, I can't, I can't like turn on my lights or anything. (laughs) But if, if you just take that as a period to step away from the phone or to reconnect with friends or to call your, call your mom or something, it, it really can just, just shift the way that that you feel and the control that you feel you have over your life. I think it's, it's easy to slip into the social media spiral and we don't have to do it. So I just want to remind people, you don't have to do it. If you don't want to, you don't have to do any of this. You really don't. You really don't. And thank you for that incredibly important reminder. I want to, I've taken like half your day, but I want to ask you one final question. If you don't mind answering it. Um, 
in the spirit of optimism and just sort of life's endless potential to bring people together. Would you tell me how you and your husband met? So after I went to FedEx Kinko's, I, um, okay, this is actually an important piece of the puzzle. I was on dating apps for years. Well, no, they weren't dating apps, dating sites for years. And I was, I actually was doing fairly well, meeting a lot of people, nobody that was, you know, my destiny, but I was enjoying the process. And then I, I was at work and my friend was like, I'm going to lunch with, uh, with this friend who I didn't really know. And I don't know what possessed me. I was like, can I go to lunch with you? I just like totally invited me to this friend lunch, invite myself to this friend lunch. And she, so we we're, we're talking with her friend who I don't know. And she's like, Oh, I met this guy in this other, this dating site. And it was really cool. And it's like, like, uh, intellectual guys and kind of quirky guys and, nerdy guys like that's my type and i was like what creatives what what's the name of this um it was called nerve.com which most people have never heard of okay you know, you oh, know I used it. okay okay so on on nerve i did terribly i uh the way it worked then you got a certain amount of points and i like i you use points to send the messages and i had pretty much used up all my points. I was like, I gave this, this site a, a month of my life and I don't think it's really working out for me. So I was like, I'll just sign off at the end of the month. Let me just use up my points. And I literally, I don't know how many messages I sent. I spent all my points. I got, when I tell you I got zero messages back, I mean a bucket, a bucket full of nothing back. And I was like, okay, but I didn't like think, oh, this is me this is about me. This is just like, okay, this isn't the app for me. And then this email landed in my inbox from this guy. And he like, I looked at his picture and I was like, okay, okay, wait, wait, where is this guy, Ben? He's like everything that I'm looking for. And I loved his profile. And I had all these rules that I had developed for myself. I threw all the rules out the window and I was like, when can we meet? <laughs> and, um, I'll spare you all of the details. People can, I'm sure, hear it on on Dates and Mates. Um, I actually interviewed my husband for the first time in like seven years on the podcast uh, this fall. And um, he, I, we are the same age. And he, I had said that I was looking to meet guys a year to 10 years older. Why? Because my experiences were like, well, I need an older, more sophisticated man. And all of the guys my age are just too immature for me. And so he almost didn't write to me, but then he was like, oh, I'm, I'm my birthday's next month. So I'll be old enough. I'll just go ahead and send her the message. And I'm so glad that he did because he wasn't coming up in any of my searches because my search criteria was a just this much too narrow. So that is an ex example of how the littlest turn in the dial could make all the difference. And I really shudder to think what would have happened if I had signed off and I had never turned that dial and he hadn't been brave enough to just go ahead and send that message, even though I thought I knew what I wanted, but I was completely wrong. My mystical mind thinks that you would have bumped into him at a coffee shop. Well, we know of at least two parties that we were both at before we met online and we don't know if we met or not. He says he probably, he's an introvert and he's a writer. And he says if, if we met, he doesn't think he would have approached me. So he could really craft. He spent two days 
writing that first email to me. Talk about old, olden, olden times and old school dating. I don't know if that's this, that if anyone would spend two days on Tinder crafting a message, but he like had his roommates read it. And he was like, I really want to make a good impression. And then I spent about 30 seconds reading it and responding. <laughs> well, it worked. And the rest is history. Oh my gosh. <laughs> to quote my grandmother, what it was meant to be will be. That is a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing it. I, I love it hearing It's a much them. longer story than I'm sure you were expecting, but I just, there's so, I just, there's so many like little moments, little micro decisions within that, that led us to this place. And um, maybe your grandma's right. It's, it's, there was a reason for each of those, those choices along the way. So, and you've been married story, now for how long? Uh, ooh, I forget. <laughs> 13, <laughs> years. 13 years. We've been together for 17 years. Wonderful. Yep. We have two beautiful kids. And uh, the moral of the story is uh, go to FedEx Kinko's if you have to. <laughs> you know, the FedEx Kinko's, if you want to sponsor this podcast, you just give us a holler. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and experience with everyone listening. Please tell them how they can keep up with you online, how they can reach out to you, um, any upcoming projects or anything you want to mention. Tell them everything. Well, I'm on social media uh, every day, but Saturday. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm on Shomer Shabbos. <laughs> I'm on it all day, every day uh, at, at Demona Hoffman. And uh, I do the Dates and Mates podcast every week for eight long years, but I still love every minute of it. So uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast now, you can look up Dates and Mates or go to datesandmates.com. And all of that will be linked in the show notes on behalf of this audience. Thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun. Thank you. I enjoyed it. <laughs>